Well, hello there, and welcome back. So before we get into the main topic of this episode, I'm going to talk about four things that are either on my mind or that I've seen in the news or that's just itching at me to get into it. And then we'll get into the main part of the uh, episode. Today's episode is called, What is the Deal with the IPA Phenomenon? And many of you are wondering, well, what are IPAs? IPAs are India Pale Ales. In other words, it's a craft beer. Um, and a lot of people I know don't really care for them. And I mean, I like them. I like the variety. I like, I always enjoy when I go to um, a brewery or a different restaurant or bar or something like that. Another, you know, some kind of drinking establishment. And I always ask them, you know, what's, what IPA do you have on tap? You know, and I just like trying different beers. I mean, to me, it's, you know, you can either have 27 light beers or you can have a couple of IPAs and uh, I mean that's kind of the way I like to go so anyway so we will get into that here shortly but until then let's uh, go ahead and get ready and enjoy episode number two of the Zero Mills podcast. Okay, so let's go to four things, the, what I like to call the fast hitters that I'm going to talk about before we get into our episode. Uh, first one, it, did you know that this has been the warmest summer on record across the country and around the world? I mean, down south, I mean, they're used to the warm temperatures, Arizona, Texas, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, but across the country, I mean, it's, it's just been freaking warm. Um, and in some places it's been downright hot. Um, now up here in the Midwest, we're used to humidity and we're used to, uh, it being kind of warm. I mean, warm to us is like 85, 90 with, uh, you know, 40% humidity, which is not that bad at all, but it's been warm all over. And <clears throat> I picked, I looked at an, a quick ar article and August of 2023 was the earth's hottest August in a 174 year climate record. The sizzling month, and this is coming from the, uh, the article, the sizzling month also wrapped up the Northern Hemisphere's warmest meteorological summer and the Southern Hemisphere's warmest meteorological winter on record, according to analysts and scientists from the NOAA's National Centers for Environmental Information. Um, just to look at some of the numbers, climate by the numbers, August of 2023, the average global land and ocean surface temperature in August was 2.25 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, 
and 1.25 degrees Celsius above the 20th century average of 60.1 degrees Fahrenheit, um, 15.6 degrees Celsius, ranking as the warmest August in the 174-year global climate record. Four continents, Africa, Asia, North America, and South America, had their warmest August on record. While Europe and Oceania both saw their second warmest record on warmest August on record. So, yeah, it 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 has been warm, um, and all all over across the world. And the thing is, is that you know many of these other countries don't have air conditioning, or you know normally they don't have any kind of of air conditioning. So when it gets when it gets hot in Europe. <clears throat> excuse me a lot of the a lot of the places with the exception of maybe like um uh you know hotels or something like that really don't have air conditioning so you know that kind of it kind of sucks so yeah just uh and in addition to it being the warmest summer on record it's been extremely dry i mean we've seen there's been wildfires all over the country um you know, wildfires in Hawaii of all places. Um, so yeah, it's been a very dry and warm summer to say the least. Second thing is I, I read just the other day is, uh, in different parts of the country, especially, uh, this one here focused on Florida, there's a teacher shortage. And reason being is number one, low wages, um, more work to do and out of control students. So I think I've been on record before saying this, but teachers are some of the people that I believe should be some of the highest paid uh, in our workforce. And why is that? I mean, they get three months off during the summer or whatever because of what you have to deal with on a daily basis as a teacher. And I, when I first moved up here uh, to Wisconsin 10 years ago, uh, one of the jobs I had was a uh, substitute teacher, long-term sub. So I did that for about a year. And it's, it's a good thing that I wasn't a, a teacher, you know, for good, because um, I may have either been fired or I may have just, you know, quit or lost interest. Teachers have so much to deal with these days and they don't, they don't get compensated for it. And especially with many of the students and kids that they have to deal with that are either out of control, disrespectful, don't care, don't want to learn, um, identifying as a certain kind of animal, whatever it is, teachers, they just don't get the credit they, they deserve. And so I saw that like in Florida, Nevada, all across the country, um, the teachers are quitting um, in record numbers. Um, some of them, after many years of uh, of being in the education business, because they just they, they're just tired. They're tired of dealing with it. Tired of the the low compensation, um, and you know being required to do more with less, and. And the, and the kids themselves, this, you know, and we're, again, we're not talking about all the students, but I've seen my fair share and it's like, yeah, it's, it's super tough to be a teacher. So, and that's unfortunate uh, that there's a shortage right now. 
Um, I think in some places you don't even have to be certified to be a substitute teacher. You, you know, if you, uh, if you have a minimal background and if you can, um, you know, pass a certain kind of certification or whatever, I think they'll throw you in to be a, a, a substitute teacher in some cases, maybe even a teacher. So number three is, so I guess on the Senate, you know, the congressmen and, uh, in Congress, men and women, um, they've changed the dress code. You know, usually it's, you know, it's always been a suit and tie. And for women, it's always been a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a professional looking dress, skirt, whatever. Well, I guess there's a dress code that, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy? Um, trying to find out what his name is. Uh, Senator Fetterman out of Pennsylvania. I guess he kind of started this and they've kind of made it to where if you're on the Senate floor, you no longer have to wear a, for guys, you no longer have to wear a suit and tie. Um, but I guess people like Senator Fetterman have taken it to the extreme where he wears, you know, a hoodie and, and shorts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for getting, you know, a little more modern and yeah, they, you know, they should, they, they shouldn't have to wear a suit and tie every day or a, you know, professional dress or whatever. But at the same time, it are hoodies and shorts, um, professional for members of Congress. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it needs to be that extreme, you know, for guys, you know, maybe just business casual, you know, maybe just a, you know, a polo shirt and a, and some khakis or whatever. I mean, or maybe even jeans if you want to go that and go that far. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, they're changing the dress code, which is, it's, it's kind of comical. And then the last thing is, uh, what books am I reading? I'm still reading Only Cry for the Living by Holly McKay. And I'm almost done with that one. And that, uh, for those that don't know, that's, uh, Holly McKay is a journalist who, uh, embedded herself with, uh, Iraqi uh, forces uh, during 2014 to 2018 while they were battling uh, ISIS. And the second book, uh, I'm almost done with this one. This has been a quick read for me. Um, And this one's called No Time Like the Future by Michael J. Fox. And this is his newest book. He's written two other ones. Um, And I just find find that interesting. So that's kind of what I'm reading. So, okay. The main part of this episode is... What is the deal with the IPA phenomenon? Now, I explained in the intro, the IPA stands for India Pale Ale, which is a type of craft beer um, that is, uh, it's it's getting very popular. I mean, you can go to almost any drinking establishment, restaurant, and they'll have at least one IPA available, either in bottle or on tap. And, you know, I will tell you that when I was growing up, you know, all they had was light beer and regular beer and a few of the different kinds, like say uh, uh, Guinness, Lowenbrow, Heineken, um, but there wasn't a whole lot of uh, different kinds of beers. And then I want to say late '90s, mid to late '90s, the kind of the craft beer phenomenon started with uh, things like. Um, ice ice house or red dog or you know there was a few other ones i mean and i think those kind of started uh 
the trend. Um, and then in the 2000s, it just really started blowing up. A lot of people were, uh, you know, um, making, brewing their own beer. And and I'm of the opinion that, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to drink a couple of nice beers as opposed to, um, you know, drinking a 12-pack of, you know, whatever my favorite light beer is. I just think that, you know, you get more bang for the buck when you have something quality. And I'm like that with... I'm like that with wine. I'm like that with a good, you know, coffee. Um, and I'm like that with beer. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends, they, they, they don't like IPAs. And, they, and you know, and, and the main reason is because they're, they, they're kind of bitter. Um, so there's kind of like two trains of thoughts with that. You know, there's, there, there's the people that say, I hate IPAs because they're bitter. And the other ones say, I love IPAs because they have so much alcohol in them. Um, so... I pulled up a, uh, did some research on the internet on this because I wanted to know exactly what all of the different types are. And uh, this article is by, who's this by? Um, it's by Josh Dickinson. And it's, uh, I don't know what the name of the article is. But anyway, I, I just did some research on it. So, so anyway, so like I said, I, <laughs> I started really liking, you know, craft beers years ago. And now that the IPA explosion has occurred, um, you know, there's so many. You could go to any grocery store, liquor store, and the variety is just unbelievable. And it really is just what your taste, what your kind of taste is and what your preference is. So, and like I said, there's friends of mine, relatives of mine that they will not do anything but a light beer. And, you know, and that's their prerogative. So, and and the good thing about IPAs is that it it keeps me from you know, like I said, I don't want to drink a twelve pack. I just want to have a, a you know a few good beers and then call it a day. So, like I said, there's the two camps: I hate them or I love them. Those are the two most common things that people say about IPAs, and neither of them are really true. Not all, all P, and I'm reading from this article, not all IPAs are bitter, and not all IPAs have a ton of booze in them. You can't throw a blanket statement over an extremely broad style of beer. It's an unfair simplification. But whether you fall on the love or the hate side of the relationship, there's one thing we can't deny. IPAs are here to stay. But what do you actually know about IPAs? IPAs come in a range of styles and the modern approach to hoppy beer isn't a declaration of bitterness, but a beer that explodes the world of fruity flavors that can also come from hops. So, yeah, I mean, in addition to being bitter, um, the IPAs are very hoppy, you know, the hops that is is in beer. And, but they also can, you know, be full of, you know, fruity flavor, uh, orange flavor type thing. You know, another beer that kind of led to the, IPA explosion was Blue Moon. You know, Blue Moon was uh, a kind of a craft beer with, uh, you can put like an, you know, it had an orange flavor to it. Um, a lot of times it's served on tap with uh, an orange slice. So, you know, that, that was another one that kind of did. But let's talk about, you know, so what's the IPA vocabulary? Um, so there's... There are terms that can apply to any style of beer, but not just IPAs. For instance, you can have a session West Coast IPA and a session Belgian IPA. So what's a, what is a session uh, IPA? Uh, in other words, it has less alcohol. 
which may or may not be a good thing, depending on your lifestyle. Modern session IPAs usually fall below 5% alcohol. And um, with lower alcohol comes a thinner body. So these are the types of beers you can drink on repeat. Double Imperial are IPAs are essentially the same thing. IPAs with a higher hop concentration. To balance all that hop flavor, the brewer uses more malt, which results in a higher alcohol volume, usually over 7%. It's an IPA on steroids. And in the stoic words of David Chappelle as Samuel L. Jackson, this shit will get you drunk. Um, other kinds, dry hopped. Dry hopping is the process of steeping hops in fermenting beer instead of adding them while the liquid is boiling. The process creates an extremely strong aromas, amplifying the fruity, piney, candy-sweet notes of the hops. It makes the beer smell better without adding any bitterness. So that's dry hopped. Double dry hopped. A lot of brewers say IPAs are double dry hopped. And while this sounds self-explanatory, it's actually meaningless. There's no real definition for double dry hopped. It could be a dry hop with twice the amount of hops or the addition of a fresh batch of hops halfway through the process. Regardless, it's more of a marketing ploy to sound like you're getting over-the-top hoppiness, dose of hops, than a quantifiable word, so no one knows exactly what it means. Triple dry hop. Seriously, no one knows what that is. Single hopped. Brewers combine multiple hop varieties for the same reason you'd put multiple seasonings in a marinade to bring different flavors to the table. Okay, anyway, so... There's single hop, fresh hopped. Um, so yeah, there's so the IPA vocabulary. Those are that's part of the IPA vocabulary. So now let's talk about the styles of IPAs. There are classification categories for IPAs. A style means that an ingredient in the brewing process or or technique lends a certain flavor, mouthfeel, or appearance to the beer that is always true for the style. So there are. There's something called a British IPA, which I don't believe I've ever had one of those. The IPA was invented in Britain, a British IPA. Here's the abridged version. British sailors, while sailing to India, loaded up barrels of beer with hops because hops was a type of preservative. The hops hung around in a beer for so long that they lost their fruity flavor and left a bitter tasting beer. So British IPAs are malty, bitter, and one-noted. They aren't the most popular style today, but it's important to know that one, no one when you see it. They are best consumed on some kind of cliff with sea mist spraying in your face. That's tongue in cheek. So some of the breweries that are doing very well with British IPAs are Great Lakes Brewing, Yards Brewing, and Samuel Smith's Brewery, which I don't believe I've had any British IPA. Okay, the next one is West Coast IPA, which I've had several of those kinds. And the West Coast IPA was the really the beginning of the fruity hop explosion. This style gets credit for exploring the rowdy, fruity flavors and hops while shredding some of the bitterness. That's not to say that West Coast IPAs aren't bitter. They are. But that bitterness is balanced with an exceptionally clean, crisp, higher carbonation and big tropical fruit notes. It is a West Coast IPA after all. Early classics in the style were brewed in Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, which I've had that before, and Stone Brewing, Co Stone Brewing Company. Yep, I've had those as well. And some other breweries that are crushing it in the West Coast IPA world are Fieldwork Brewing, Half Acre Brewing, and Pipeworks, which I don't think I've had any of those kind bef before from those breweries. 
Another type of brewery, uh, geez, another type of brewery, another type of IPA is the New England style. The New England IPA is what people are drinking right now. This IPA is unfiltered, which makes it hazy and has extremely low bitterness from using blends of hops that lend intense fruity flavor. New England style IPAs are often dry hopped and tend to be fermented to have lower carbonation. These beers look like orange juice, smell like fruit salad, and taste like fresh fruit cobbler. Well, I don't know about that, but this is the IPA for the I don't like IPAs person in your life, which might be why they're so popular right now. So, uh, and some of the breweries that are doing really well in the New England IPA are Hill Farmstead, Civil Society, and Trillium. I think, you know, and I don't know if it's a New England style IPA, but like my wife, she doesn't, she doesn't like IPAs, but she will drink, um, she likes a blue moon every now and then she likes, uh, something called mango cart. Um, so she kind of, or, and then like, I think lining kugels makes, uh, like honey wheat. And again, those aren't IPAs, but she does have a, um, a taste for those different kinds of, of beers that, uh, have like that, orange fruitiness in it. Another kind of IPA is the East Coast IPA. Although this isn't necessarily an official style of beer, there's advocate to be said, there's something to be said for the East Coast style IPA. It's the stepping stone between the British and the West Coast IPA with an emphasis on piney hop flavor and solid malt backbone. It's not as bright as a West Coast, but more complex in flavor than a British. Dogfish 60 Minute, which I've had, and Victory Hop Devil are good examples. Okay. Oat IPA. Soft is a word that's becoming a lot more common when talking about IPAs, and that's thanks to oats. While West Coast IPAs are crisp, clean, and sharp, IPAs brewed with either flaked oats or oak oat milk have a lazy, lethargic, cozy mouthfeel. They're soft in the hand. No, they're soft in the way that the blanket you keep on the couch for extended stays is soft. You can get lost in there with the bottoms. I don't, I don't think I've ever had any oat IPA, but there's the Vale Brewing Company, Cerebral Brewing, and Monkish Brewing Company are the ones that are crushing the oat IPA industry. Here's a one that I know that I've never had, and this is called the Lactose IPA, also known as Milkshake IPA. They do not contain milk and you should not shake them. Lactose IPAs get the nickname milkshake because of the sweetness of the milk sugar adds to the beer. It's common to see fruit or vanilla added to these IPAs. So, Tired Hands Brewing, Amon Paulo, and other half brewing. Yeah, I don't believe I've ever had those before, and I don't think I would like them. A Belgian IPA. The driving flavor in Belgian IPA comes Belgian yeast, which provides sweet, bready, warm notes to the beer, and usually ends up tasting like a British IPA. So, uh, just kind of talking about Belgian beer. Um, when I was stationed in Germany in the late 80s, um, you know, that, that was basically, in my opinion, the beer capital of the world in, you know, Germany. Um, you know, you had Guinness, you had so many different types of good, good beer. Um, and, uh, but the problem with those is that they're, they're very heavy and again, you couldn't drink very many of them and you wouldn't want to drink very many of them. But um, that was also my, lo my love for beer is just because uh, Germany just got me spoiled. And then once I got back to the United States, you know, I, before I found like craft beers and IPAs, you know, the beer world for me was kind of boring. 
Next is a fruited IPA. Adding fruit to beer is a risky procedure, but IPAs handle it pretty well. Brewers intensify that all fruit flavor come from the hops by adding puree fruit to the beer while it's brewing. With fruited IPAs, you want fruit puree added to the beer, not fruit juice. Okay. Sour IPA. Um... In a perfect world, a sour IPA would be equal parts tart, juicy, and fruity, but the sour IPA is still largely uncharted territory. Some brewers will call a dry hop sour beer a sour IPA, but it isn't the same. So I believe I've had some things called a sour IPA, and, um, you know, I, I kind of like them. They're not bad. A, a brewery that is crushing it is Hudson Valley Brewery. And last is the Brett IPA. Um, Brett Tonomis. So, so hot right now. This yeast strain, also seen in winemaking, added in the primary fermentation of the beer, gives a funky melon and quality to the beer. Brett is showing up on IPAs more and more frequently, adding an underlying aroma of musty fruit salad and boosting ripe fruit flavors. That's a good thing. Promise. And you say it like Brett. Okay, whatever. So that is a another form of an IPA. So there you have it. Um, you know, just wanted to kind of, you know, share a little bit about, you know, you know, cause some people may be asking, Hey, what is an IPA? What's the whole deal with, uh, the industry exploding, you know, the beer industry exploding with IPAs and just wanted to share that. So it's another, another way to enjoy beer. You can either have light beer, you can, you know, stick to the traditional heavy ones like Guinness and Heineken and, you know, all the other brands, um, or if you want to, you know, and then you can just kind of jump in the craft world beer and then you can jump in the IPA world and, uh, you know, and there's so many varieties to pick from. You could go to, like I said, go to a major grocery store, a major, um, liquor store, um, or a liquor department and the, the, the amount, the variety is, it's endless. Um, and you just kind of, you know, do like I do. I, I always, every time I go to the place where I pick up beer, it's, um, I'm like a kid in a candy store and I just, I try different ones, you know, and some I may not care for, some I may not like others, you know, I, I've, I've found my favorites in some places, but I always want to try new IPAs because it, you know, it's just kind of my thing. Um, and so I, I invite you to do the same, you know, just pick and choose. You can, there's some with, you know, um, you know, average alcohol. And then there's some with a lot of alcohol content and just, and, you know, just pick the type of alcohol volume you want, the type of flavor, the type of, uh, taste, uh, it's endless. So there you have it. Yeah. Just thought I'd give that to you and give it a try.